Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. We were absolutely shocked in a studio to see that 59 hours is the longest we have been without load shedding in a year. Hanna Labaskachni, he's a senior journalist at My Broadband. A very good morning to you. Wow, the bar is not a very high one, is it? <laughs> uh, good morning, Howard, and good morning to the listeners. No, certainly, um, I think we're celebrating small victories here. <laughs> I was actually quite stunned when I looked at the data and realized, you know, it was back in September when we had a longer break than this. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a strange thing, uh, <laughs> but the reasons are, are fairly obvious, and uh, I don't know if you want to delve into that. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we've seen ESCOM now quickly bring up Kusile Power Station Unit 3. Mm. We know they had units that were offline now for almost a year due to that flue gas duct collapse. So it was basically a chimney that they built, and due to bad design, um, there's a bunch of sludge that uh, uh, got stuck in, in that chimney, uh, very heavy stuff, and it's a big, big structure, and it collapsed. And since then, they've been unable to use those three units. And they're really big. We know Kusile and Madupi were critical in ESCOM being able to keep up with demand in South Africa. But I'm sure, as you know as well, they're, they're very far. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, so it's good news on the one side, but, but, but not, uh, not just a, a shiny picture, you know, because uh, the only way they're able to get these units back online at the moment is because of an emissions exemption. Ah, so in fact, it's not because things are more efficient; they've just lowered the lowered the standard. So, yeah, of, so of the, the demand, applied mm. with the Department of Forestry and and the Environment to um, to to get an exemption from new emission standards that Kusile has to meet, um, uh, and with its original design or with, with uh, the refurbished design, it was supposed to meet this. But Eskom said, "Listen, if if we have to meet these standards um, uh, and uh, uh, we we have to produce power, we have to meet these standards. It's going to take forever. Well, not forever. It's going to take much longer to prepare repair the the um, flue gas duct. So they've constructed temporary stacks, uh, and that allows them to now run these units in the interim while they repair the FGD." Um, and so, yeah, they're going to be polluting much more, which is, of course, very bad for the area around there. There have been various studies showing uh, how bad Eskom's emissions are for the people in the immediate area. So, you know, it's a bit of a, a catch-22 situation. Mm -hmm. It's good on the one side that we've got reduced load shedding, and, and, and it looks good. Um, or let's just say moderately good, a little bit better <laughs> than last year's summer. Um, but, but still, you know, these units are, are not reliable, so... Let's see if we if we reach those fifty nine hours of a load shedding exemption, um, and and you know, the two other units coming back online by the end of October and end of November, and then a new unit uh, by December. So you know it's good on the one side for the economy and us a little bit of relief, but uh, you know there is a big downside to this as well. Yeah, and the fact is that we are so used to it that. Without us even realizing, uh, it's it's taken a full year 
for us to see two days without load shedding, two consecutive days without load shedding, that is is just, I, I, as I say, I'm appalled, I'm shocked, and mm. and I shouldn't be. Oh, we live through this. We live with this every single day, but I certainly hadn't realized that it's so bad that we have not been two days without load shedding in a year. Yes. No, myself as well, Howard. It's quite shocking how, how quickly we've grown accustomed to this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very bad. Uh, well, and, and the data yeah. by outlier Eskom's push just shows the day. The, the interesting thing is I just wonder how, um, you know, so many of us have found solutions in terms of solar and backup that we don't mm-hmm. feel it, that we don't feel load shedding to the same extent mm-hmm. that, that many, unfortunately, in the country um, are feeling it. How, how big a factor is the alternative uh, electricity supply mm-hmm. in, in all of these calculations? I think I think that's a very good point you make, Howard. Uh, we've seen record numbers of uh, solar panels and batteries and inverters getting imported into the country in the first half of this year. So definitely, I think that is a factor. Many of us, you and I, uh, perhaps middle class, middle to upper class uh, people, are fortunate enough to be able to afford these solutions. So so maybe we sort of are living a little bit in a bubble, you know, and and, and we're not feeling the brunt of this. Um, as compared to like the majority of, of South Africans living in the country. But no, it's multiple, multiple gigawatts of solar power that's come online. In fact, I believe it's equivalent to like a, sort of like a medium sized coal power station in terms of, of power that's, that's come back online. And I, I think people have also adapted. Uh, people who aren't able to afford full solar power installations, they get power trolleys and power stations. That's, um, at the moment, what we've got at our house, because we're we're renting, we're only buying mm. <laughs> in the next few uh, months. So um, that's not a solution for us. I think a lot of people who are renting are using just these power stations um, just to power the TV and the Wi-Fi and stuff. And I think then uh, if you adapt your habits as well, some people have gone gas stoves for cooking, um, air fryers to quickly make food, make food when, before the power goes out. Um, I think we've adapted quite well to this. And I think what will be interesting to see um, in the next few years, globally, energy um, energy shortages are becoming a problem. You know, we we more we need more mm, energy, mm. and I think in in a way, South Africa might actually be ahead of the curve in terms of south generation. <laughs> in, yeah, in ironically, yeah, I think that, that that is a strange thing that it's not because mm. we are so innovative and uh, ahead of our game, but just out of pure necessity, it certainly does seem yes. as though we. Uh, we, I mean, if you drive through many a neighborhood, uh, every second mm-hmm. house has uh, has solar, has um, clean energy, yes. which is quite remarkable, really. Mm, yeah, no, it's 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 very interesting, and um, yeah, that's just going to be the nature of electricity um, generation in the future. It's going to be more distributed because solar, you know, it's very difficult to to store that energy, and and it's better to have it closer to home. Um, with with everybody having their own managers, mm. their own solutions, I think it's uh, are, are seeing, much better. Are, are we seeing any move towards the buyback, mm. the uh, people with excess uh, electricity mm. production being able to push it back into the grid? We've seen a number of municipalities express interest in this, and we know it's both Twane and uh, Johannesburg, but I think uh, Cape Town is a little bit ahead there. Um, they, they will be um, paying people back, I think, around one rand 20 per kilowatt hour 
And I think they actually have started that program already until at least early 2025. So they're quite far ahead and um, they, they've got uh, good legislation in place and, and laws with regards to uh, regulating uh, the type of inver- inverters people can use so that they can feed electricity back into the grid. But we are seeing more and more of this happening around even with like smaller um, microgrids or what they call them. I think a good example is Midstream Estate in Centurion, um, which is which is doing this as well, which will also buy back electricity from its residents and their, their solar setups. So, yeah, um, it will, I think, in terms of on the government side, it might be a bit slower, uh, but we're seeing these like smaller um, solutions and body corporates and, and everybody looking at, at what they can do um, on, a, on a hyper-local level. Mm, mm. And uh, that is how South Africans have generally solved the problem. I'm sure we're going to continue <laughs> to do that, and I'm sure we're going to do the same uh, with regard to water. Uh, as we're now talking mm. about water shifting, that seems to be the new buzzword. Uh, water shifting, what that exactly means, well, I guess we're going to be finding out. I'd love your thoughts, your reaction to this uh, to this conversation. Three four five one nine or oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Hannah Labaskakni. Uh, senior journalist at my broadband talking to us about the fact that we have now just gone the longest period without load shedding in a year, which I find completely, completely bizarre. I did not realize how bad it was and how bad it has been. And of course, we know that it has been bad, but I didn't realize that in fact, we haven't gone two days without load shedding in an entire year. Did you realize this? Were you aware of it? I'd love to hear from you. It's 8.30.